Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Right now, though, we're going to have a conversation, um, bringing you an update on the situation in Ukraine, which we haven't really talked about much lately. And um, there's been some major developments. Uh, apparently, the latest today, they have continued with their counteroffensive movement. Um, Ukrainian officials saying that they have liberated one village after another saying in one region they've actually pushed the Russians right back to the border, um, saying uh, in some areas of the front, our defenders reached the state border with the Russian Federation. This from the regional governor of the northeast Kharkiv region. Um, Russian troops crossed the border in the region back on February 24th on day one of the invasion, and now it looks like several months later they've been pushed back again. Russia is acknowledging the military developments, but they say um, it's not because they're being pushed out. They say this is part of uh, regrouping. Okay, so uh, the truth, I'm not sure. But we'll, we'll check in now with um, Dr. Stephanie Carvin, who is an associate professor at Carleton University, former national security analyst and a contributing author to the Center for International Governance Innovation. Uh, Stephanie, thank you for joining us once again. Appreciate your time. Hey, thanks for having me on again. Okay, so bring us up to speed here. What's going on? It, it sounds like um, Ukrainian forces are having a tremendous amount of success and regaining large amounts of territory. Uh, yes, all that does seem to be true. I, I don't think anyone would look at what's happened in the past week in Ukraine and, and suggest that the Ukrainians have had a bad week. That said, I think we should also appreciate that this is coming at a, what is almost certainly a tremendous cost for them as well. Uh, there have been reports of, say, heavy casualties and, and um, you know, headed towards Kiev from, um, you know, the, the battle lines uh, in, in the Kharkiv uh, Oblast, as well as there uh, are reports in, in another part of the country where there's another uh, battle raging in Kyrgyzstan that uh, there's really, a, you know, there's, there's a tough slog of a fight mm-hmm. going on there as well. So, yes, they're doing well, but um, the war is is far from over. Um, but, you know, you, I think the, the number I keep seeing is that, you know, 3,000 kilometers uh, square kilometers of territory yeah, yeah. have been have been liberated, right? I mean, that's more territory than the Russians have taken in four months. It's and they took it in like forty eight hours. It's it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, and I've seen video of um, you know Ukrainian citizens reemerging from shelled buildings that they've been holed up in for months and coming out in in tears to to greet their liberators of the Ukrainian military. So I mean, there's video proof that obviously a lot of these towns have seen the Russians pushed out at least for now. Yeah, and I can't even imagine what it would be like being uh, one of these individuals who's lived kind of under this kind of nonstop terror for 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 months. Um, it, it, it must it must just must be a huge relief. So I think you know some of the questions being asked now, uh, you know, fairly recently, and, and no, not to you know cast any shade on the on Ukrainians, but like, are they too going to be able to hold this amount of territory? Yes. I think to a large extent, um, this what they did was more successful than I think what they even thought they were going to achieve. So now that also puts like new pressure on them as well. Right. And so, um, you know, the, will the Russians look to, to come back and we can, we can get, um, we can talk about that in just a minute, but um, that's going to be a, of concern. And then the second thing, something we saw last night that happened there was that uh, Vladimir Putin uh, 
obviously took out some of his frustration, or at least the, the Russian military did, on uh, civilian infrastructure in Ukraine, targeting the electrical grid. Um, you know, if he does that and continues, say, to target the sanitation and, and things like that, I mean, the life you know, these people are not out of the woods yet. So, you know, certainly some relief would have come. I can't even imagine the emotion of just being there. But we're definitely they're definitely not out of the woods. What about Russia's take on this? No, no, no. Everything's fine. This is just part of our regrouping and realigning and things like that. I mean, obviously, they're going to try and put a brave face on it. Could there be any truth to that, though? I mean, or is this a full on retreat? Yeah, I think they use the term route. It's a route, right? Yeah. Um, it's basically, uh, which is, a, you know, the military term, I guess, for an uncontrolled ret- uh, retreat. Like, there's, there's very little grace that they can put on this. I think, you know, they've tried to, to say, oh, yeah, this is orderly. Oh, yeah, this is fine. Uh, it's not. Um, it, it really isn't. I mean, just the number of vehicles alone, and if you've been watching this on social media or if anyone has, they, they will have seen um, the images of just, you know, what has to be hundreds of vehicles left behind oh, yeah. that the Ukrainians can now use, right? I mean, I think, you know, one of the jokes they say is that one of the larger, largest donators of equipment to the Ukrainian army is actually the Russian forces. So, um, so there's that aspect of it. Um, this does seem to have been like, you know, we have seen long lineups at the border, uh, of Ukrainians, or sorry, of, of, I guess, you know, individuals trying to leave Ukraine, get going into the Russian border. Uh, a lot of those individuals appeared to be in civilian vehicles, but we don't know if they were actually Russian soldiers, right? right? Yeah. Uh, disguising themselves as civilians to, to head back. That's, that's a possibility as well. So, so yeah, um, we don't, you know, I, I think that there is, you know, uh, a lot of the discussion surrounding the Russian forces right now is, um, you know, they do still have a lot of equipment. They do still have weapons. Now, um, there were reports last week by the New York Times, which suggested that uh, Russian forces are, in fact, turning to countries like North Korea in order to find, uh, uh, you know, armaments because uh, they, they may be running out, but also because of all the restrictions now, all the sanctions that have been placed on them, they may not have the chemicals in which to actually that you need to actually make these weapons as well right so i think sure. that's that's part of the problem but really the, the biggest problem they're facing is, is manpower they just simply don't have an army and even if they did something like general conscription right now like where all you know all the young men are called up to fight i mean they still have to train those troops they have to equip them um you know you can't just take a, a modern day 22 year old accountant and have them become a soldier in, in like like five six weeks in modern warfare uh and expect you know tremendous victories it, it's kind of like making them be cannon fodder so i i don't know what the russians can really do at this point uh, in terms of manpower they i think they're going to try and hold on to what they have with your life but i mean there's already reports and i should say very 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 much unconfirmed reports that there may be some negotiations going on now in the south of the country in kirsten where yes. some of the you know that where they may actually uh, be trying to negotiate some kind of surrender i mean this is really shockingly um you know it, it's hard to keep up with events I, i'll teach a class i'll come back and be like oh look 20 more cities liberated <laughs> Um, so it's, uh, it really is a dynamic situation. It is, no doubt about it. And I think looming over all of it, at least from some of the people that I've spoken with, Stephanie, is you've got winter approaching, or at least fall, uh, yeah. which is drastically going to change everything. And, and Russia, uh, of course, with the natural gas and the energy supply, is in a really powerful position as the weather changes. So, I mean, like you say, it moves a lot. There's a lot of different factors, and that could be a big one in the near future. I think this is what Putin is banking on, yeah. right? I think this is his last 
play to basically have Europe freeze to death for a year. And then um, hopefully that they'll come back with, you know, Europeans will come back with their tail between their legs and that yeah. they will, in fact, try to, uh, you know, say, hey, we really need this Russian gas. So the problem, there's one problem with this card is that once it's played, it's played. Like, you can't play this card again. Um, and so, you know, it's in place now. And what we're seeing is, yeah, Europe is in a, a bit of a, a, a mess. I mean, going into this segment, I was listening to the news and they were talking about, you know, in Italy, they're saying, um, stop the water boiling once you put the pasta in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, like that's what people are talking about. Um, but the, so, so this is a very, uh, you know, real thing. But, you know, what we're seeing now is European countries adjust. They're turning to new markets. They're looking to green energy sources. It looks like Germany is not going to go off nuclear power as fast as it once thought it would. Yep, exactly. So I think there's a number of, you know, so the fact is, it's like, you know, Putin has played this card, but so far, and not good, we'll see what happens in a couple months, but uh, Europe doesn't seem to be wanting to give in because of that, right? They're saying, okay, we'll just have a cold winter and, and get through, but, you know, we'll, we'll see where Russia, you know, let's see where both of us are six months from now and, uh, We'll be drawing some some interesting conclusions. Yeah, and as you say, it all happens so quickly. Um, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. I really, really appreciate your time. Oh, I could talk about this for hours. It's just so <laughs> fascinating. So thanks for having me on. We'll chat again um, soon. And uh, yeah, thanks. Cheers. You bet. Uh, Dr. Stephanie Carvin, who is an associate prof at Carleton and a former national security analyst and a contributing author to the Center for International Governance Innovation.